0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to my podcast, Backlot Action Force. I'm Teresa Beardsley. And this is a podcast project really helping you to fuel your inner call to action for sustainable living. Being an environmentalist does not mean you have to go all the way um, or die because it's kind of crazy that that would be asked of someone to just completely go totally green, totally earth-friendly, like overnight. That's not it. So I'm here talking to Michaela Gerwing, who works at a company called Terakaya Ecological Reserve out of Peru. Hey, there we go.
1: I got it. Okay. Yes, I am stuck in Canada. I'm from here. So like, it's not a big deal. Like this is where my family is, but.
0: Yeah. Where do you typically live? Where do you? T- Peru. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's, the
1: place where I work, um, I'll tell you all about it, but they're we're actually in Peru, so
0: Wow. I I I'm looking at the photographs, they're so stunning. Do you wanna just start like in introducing yourself? Yeah, for sure.
1: I'm Michaela Gerwing. I graduated a little over a year ago from the University of British Columbia with a degree in Natural Resources Conservation and Global Perspectives. I now work as a conservationist and the volunteer coordinator at Terracaya Ecological Reserve and Wildlife Rescue Center in the Madre de Dios region of Peru. And I also work as a part-time research associate for the Wildlife Conservation and Economics Laboratory at my alma mater. Oh
0: my gosh, that's amazing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: And then I, I heard you're also from our, our mutual friend Kimber. Um, I heard you're also a performer. I am. So, yeah, I was actually really excited to come on
1: this podcast because I think my perspective is definitely very interesting coming from the arts and theater. That's how I met Kimber um, in the theater world, uh, which I was pretty much exclusively doing for the majority of my life. And then kind of had a complete 180 turn and ended up getting a Bachelor of Science transferring from a Bachelor of Fine Arts program that I was in previously. And so just totally flipped my life upside down. And now I work in conservation, but of course, still an artist at heart, still an actor, but yeah, just a different lifestyle
0: change. What
1: made you do, um, do the, the pivot? yeah well it was a slow process i mean i so i grew up in canada i left here when i was 15 to go to california where i met kimber our mutual friend um at boarding school i was there for musical theater i ended up going to a university in chicago for musical theater um i was only there for a year and during that year and kind of leading up to it i slowly started to like lose my motivation and lose my passion. I still recognize that I love theater. I love performing, but I was also, you know, I was around 18 years old. I was really becoming passionate about bigger world issues, about things outside of myself, outside of, you know, my goals and dreams and looking at, you know, the world as a whole and people, animals, the environment, all of these different issues that I was starting to become aware about. And I just felt so disconnected uh, and disconnected from the people around me who didn't seem to be as like aware or passionate. So I took a leave of absence and I decided to go traveling and volunteering. Um, I went to South Africa and I thought I was going to be volunteering at a humanitarian law firm. I lasted about three days. It was, they were doing amazing work, but I was inside, like no windows, at a desk, pushing papers, and I couldn't do it. You know, it was, a, it was great work, but it wasn't for me. So I was kind of lost and I just needed a new volunteer project. So there is um, the Cape of Good Hope SPCA in Cape Town, South Africa. And I moved over there and started volunteering in their vet clinic. Um, my mom's a vet, so I was comfortable. It was, it was nice. I like animals, but it wasn't a passion until I found their wildlife unit. And within a week, I had transferred over there. And was helping with uh rehabilitate like rescue rehab and release of wildlife and for me that was just kind of a click point and then actually after that i ended up volunteering at Tarakaya, where i work now so That's full circle great.
0: and Tarakaya is, r- is a really interesting um experience so it's conf- do, would you mind talking a little bit about that I, I would know- love
1: to yeah, yeah. so uh Kaya has been um going on for about We're in our 18th year now. Um, We are an ecological reserve, uh, about an hour, hour and a half boat ride away from the small city of Puerto Maldonado. We are in the Amazon rainforest and we have about 476 hectares, uh, most of which is leased to us by the government in order for us to protect and conserve the area as well as surrounding area. So we protect the land and we also protect the species on it. We have different projects. Um, of how we do this. And we also have one of our major things that we do is we have a wildlife rescue center where we take in orphaned, injured wildlife, wildlife from the illegal pet trade. We rehabilitate them. If it's possible, we will release them into our land and surrounding area. And if they can't be released, we give them a permanent home at our center. The one thing about going into conservation is it's never going to be, I mean, it, it's kind of like going into the arts. You're not going to make a lot of money. I mean, in the arts, there's a chance that you could be that one in however many million and be super famous, and that's awesome. But you go into it because you love it, and it makes you happy in the day-to-day, and it's, you know, mm-hmm. fulfilling. And it's, it's not a career you choose to get ahead financially.
0: <laughs> um. Hey, let me see if I can just turn this thing down because I'm getting Slack notif. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> My friend's getting Slack notifications, and <laughs> and I'm like, where are you in LA right now? Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's it's crazy right now. I'll tell you. Yeah, like, I can't um, imagine being there during COVID season. <laughs> so
0: awful. Um, it's literally, it's like. Okay, great. It's like the scariest thing ever because, I mean, cases double. So um, we're just kind of like hunkering down. And that's what I do actually COVID safety on set. Uh, and you're I, still working then, hey? Yeah. <laughs> so I just got this job and I actually do sustainability. So now I'm working with a company called Good Planet Innovations and I do um, sustainability on set and COVID safety so cool. It's it's crazy because well and that's how I got into it because I'm like we waste so much on set and in the arts sometimes in theater it's theater is kind of naturally sustainable in a way because you can kind of reuse any money. <laughs> yeah, you any money and like you could reuse stuff you know you don't have a lot of like high um you know high cost stuff unless you're in the bigger theaters but even then it's you, not the same. Yeah. I mean
1: even with like craft I feel like but I was listening in your other podcasts, like, you know, people, like there are different ways to deal with it, but yeah, it's insanity.
0: It's crazy. Yeah. Like there's so much stuff that just goes down the drain, like pounds and pounds and pounds of food um, that could be turned into like energy actually or donated or whatever. And then you could essentially power yourself if you have the, mm, if you have enough I don't know, technology around you, but it's mm-hmm. nobody really wants to change their ways. Um, and so I think like, you know, that's why I invited you, because I feel like if, I don't know, I think it's really good to get an understanding of what's out there in the world and how people and the world um, collide and connect outside of the city.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's so easy to get stuck in. If- our own perspective and stuck in our own little world. And then it takes, you know, people like you and me who really don't have any connection other than one mutual friend, you know, having a conversation to be able to share these ideas that we never would have been able to have
0: otherwise. So true. Do you specifically work with animals or do you work um, also with with the environment or? I mean, both,
1: right? It's all connected. And um, my main focus is wildlife. On a species level and an individual level but in order to protect wildlife we have to protect wild spaces all of these things go so hand in hand you know if you look at an ecosystem absolutely everything within it is interconnected you know the animals can't survive without the plants the plants can't survive without the soil and the bees and the pollinators and you know the clean rain that we're getting you know the seasons are important. Everything within one ecosystem is so, so, so crucial. So what we need is we need some people who are looking at it as a whole, and we need people who are looking at a bunch of specific things to come together and figure out how to collaborate. Because, you know, with an issue as complex as climate change and the environment, there's no one simple solution, or else we already would have done it, you know? It's it's going to take millions and millions of people coming together and using their expertise to find a collaborative way to make change.
0: Mm. Um, What do you see as like the the primary pain points in terms of or problems that you're looking to solve?
1: Yeah, I've thought a lot about this. And it's hard because there are so, so many right now. And I think especially, you know, lately with the Black Lives Matter kind of resurgence, it's not just environmental issues, you know, that I want to, that I want to conquer. It's social issues. It's the interconnection of all of them. But I also, you know, try and take a step back and just focus on something because it's really easy to get overwhelmed by all of it. Mm -hmm. So at least right now, my focus is definitely wildlife, keeping wild spaces wild and focusing on the protection of species and also individual welfare while we're doing that. Uh, so yeah, right now my focus is definitely where I'm at in Peru. We have a lot of amazing programs going on, a spider monkey reintroduction program that I'm really focused on. Um, we're doing a turtle repopulation project. So there's a lot of small specific things within my workplace that, that we're focused on for sure, but Yeah, it's really hard to just narrow down to like one problem you want to solve when the world is in chaos.
0: I know. (laughs) Or like what kind of activist do you want to be too, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, activism has always been hugely
1: important to me. I was before, long before I ever got into environmental activism, I was um, into animal welfare activism. I was, you know, vegetarian by the time I was 13. I was attending protests against the rodeo in the city I grew up in activism was always something that really fueled me Mm. and it's been interesting because where I live in Peru is extremely remote like extremely extremely remote I don't have you know access to like service or wi-fi or anything like that the majority of my time I'm out in the jungle doing my work for that place Mm. and so it's really disconnected me from that activism that I was so involved in I lived in Vancouver for four years I was going to protest like probably twice a month for different causes. And now I see myself in general, other than COVID times, living in a situation that's so isolated. And it's something that I struggled with is the lack of uh, activism that I could take part in. And also coming back to it, like the lack of like theater and art that I could take part in where I'm at. So that's actually something I'm really been thinking a lot about. And one of the reasons I have my Instagram page and all of that is because it is a way for me to try and communicate what I'm doing to the public um, without actually being in a physical location where I can be that activist that I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I, I've been, I'm in Canada now, as I told you uh, during COVID times until I can get back to Peru when the borders open. And I was able to attend a couple of protests here for BLM, but I mean, with COVID, it's, it, it's just insanity. So right now, it seems like a lot of this is taking place more online
0: yeah i think yeah everything's online right now which is Mm -hmm. is really interesting because i know and some people are going to work and some people are just not at all i mean with people at home i think that you know they're more open to educating themselves Mm -hmm. or the opposite you know (laughs) you know like trolling on other people's stuff um I think it's a unique opportunity to kind of have a captive audience, but also to participate in ways that you wouldn't normally be able to. Because normally I think in film, we do 12 to 16 hour days. And now we're like, maybe we work 10 hours, (laughs) if we work at all. Um,
1: And the time that we have, like that's just a luxury we've never had as like humanity before. Is just all of this time doing nothing.
0: Yeah. We
1: great as well educate ourselves.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so, like, um, if someone wanted to do, like, one thing a day to help the environment, like, what's what do you think that people could start with?
1: I love that question. Um, okay, so I actually saw this really interesting, um, I guess, image going around on Instagram during BLM, and it was about how everybody has their own lane. you know. Don't shame people who aren't going to protest. They might be self-educating. They might be having conversations with family members. They might be donating. We each have our own lane. Mm-hmm. And I think that really transfers to how we can be environmentalists as well. I think there's a lot of perception of it's all or nothing. No one is perfect. Like I, my career is in conservation and I still do tons of things that I should fix and I need to work on and are perfectly sustainable or are completely unsustainable. Um, so first of all, like just forgive yourself if, if you think it's too hard and it's too much and you can't do it and it's overwhelming, just like take a breath and choose like one small thing that works for your life. For some people, eating less meat might be really easy for other people replacing to a re- reusable water bottle might be the only thing that they can do right now. I think the thing about environmentalism is looking at the intersectionality of all of it and realizing that not everybody can do the same things and not everybody can be sustainable for tons of different reasons, whether that be like lifestyle, economics, all of those kind of things. In Peru, when I'm living in Peru, it is so much harder to be sustainable than it is here in North America. Um, I'm pretty strict vegan here. When I'm in Peru, I'm vegetarian because I just, with the level of physical work that I do and the remoteness of where I live, it's not possible for me to be vegan and healthy for a long period of time. So I think, you know, find your lane. Find something that works for you and don't worry about what everybody else is doing. If all you can do today is take your reusable water bottle instead of buying a plastic one. Great. If tomorrow you can add one more thing, that's awesome. But I think everybody's got to find that lane for themselves and find where they can fit in Mm -hmm. um, to find what they can do.
0: I agree. I think it's easier to do that. I, you know, I think like on Twitter and other things like that, like I'm on, I follow a bunch of other uh, people who are in the same space or, even in different spaces and it is like all or nothing. And that's something that, that I think that people are afraid of going into it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like there's like that bridge that needs to be gapped. Like we can't do everything at once because that's crazy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And our society is set up in a way that makes that like so difficult physically, emotionally, mentally, financially. So, I mean, Actually, no, I do have one thing that everybody can do. Everybody can do who's listening to this podcast, and that is vote. Mm. Because that is the one thing. You know, we all choose our lanes. We all have different, like, barriers. But everyone is a citizen of some country. You vote in your own country for leaders who will make positive change. And, honestly, environment is a nonpartisan issue. I mean, I think here we generally lean to one side or the other, but our future, the future of our planet, it does not matter what you believe in for anything else. It is so crucial. So use your vote to support politicians who are going to support legislation that will protect the environment. Because one person's actions are really great. You switching to a reusable water bottle is awesome. But even if everybody switches to a reusable water bottle, that's still not gonna solve the root of the problem. It's like the whole thing about plastic straws. It's great. I'm not saying it's a bad thing that we're like banning plastic straws. It's awesome. But what it should be seen as is not so much as progress towards sustainability, but as a symbol of progress. It is a symbol of where we need to go. But taking out plastic straws isn't really going to do a lot. Most turtles that, you, that die, isn't and fish that die, is isn't from plastic straws in the ocean, it's from fishing line. Um, so there, there are bigger issues at play that are really determined by the legislation put in by our governments. And in the global north, living in democratic societies, the best thing we can do is vote.
0: Wow, yes, thank you. That's like, so beautiful and so true. I feel like so many people are so kind of deterred from the democratic system. They don't feel that it works for them because Mm -hmm. there's been so many, you know, like the political families, like the Clinton dynasty, people are so not charmed with that. Um, And, or, you know, even on the other side, the two party system is like told, everybody's again, like, I don't know any person who's happy with it, (laughs) except politicians. I don't.
1: (laughs) Except for the ones who get in, yeah.
0: yeah. And I think, I don't know, I've been thinking a lot about that as well, voting, you know, and then what if everybody voted their heart, you know, and that, what if that made a difference?
1: Right. And it's not even just voting in the big federal elections. Like, I mean, I'm Canadian, so it's a bit different, but you guys have a big one coming up in November. And that seems to be what gets all of the attention. But in the end, a lot of the important legislation is coming from those smaller votes that you do whether you're voting for your attorney general or you're voting for you know who your mayor is like all of those smaller elections are so crucial you can't just show up for the federal election and think you're done and call it a day you have to show up for every single one because those are the ones where it can be off by 30 100 votes and your vote could actually make a significant significant difference so Yeah, it's not just federal elections, it's every election that we need to pay attention to.
0: Do you think it's possible for us to correct the environmental path that we are on as a species? Or do you think that one day we'll have, we'll see some of these problems get solved? I think that's a loaded
1: question because we we can't know. And I don't even claim to have the you know knowledge experience to know emotionally it's back and forth like in university going to study in conservation some days you'd come out of class so depressed just feeling like you know we've already passed all the thresholds we're screwed there's nothing we can do people don't care like we should all just land or a rock and just wait for it to end Mm -hmm. and then there are other days where you hear about these amazing success stories or like small movements Or changes and you feel so invigorated and passionate and like yes we can do this and in the end I think it's a choice it is a choice what we believe Mm -hmm. and I choose to be optimistic even if five years from now we already pass every threshold you know everything's in chaos I'm still going to be fighting because for me it's a responsibility for me it's something that we have to do so there's no point where i think we just lay down and stop trying like there there's no point in that we just keep fighting as long as we can to protect species to protect humanity to protect each other and ourselves and so i think you know i can't say what's going to happen but i can be optimistic and i would recommend that to others as well
0: I know that it's like kind of like a doomsday thing. Like people are like, yeah, what's the point or whatever. But I think that it can make a difference right now in people's lives pretty immediately. And I think that can kind of go for pretty much anybody in any country, (laughs) in any place, any animal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I think it would work out. I'd love to kind of talk about your intersection with the arts as well. Do you still sure. practice um, anything in the arts? And is there an intersection for you? Uh, yeah. Well,
1: so since I started my job at Terakaya, I haven't really had a lot. I've done a lot of writing, um, a lot of singing, things like that, but uh, no actual performing other than just for friends. The last year since I've been out of university has been a bit difficult to perform because of where I physically live. And now obviously with COVID, nothing's happening. Um, but while I was in university at UBC, I was involved with the Vagina Monologues, uh, part of the global movement V-Day, uh, a movement to end violence against women. Um, the Vagina Monologues was written a long time ago, so it's not very intersectional, but it is an important show because of the history of it. So it's performed every year around Valentine's Day at colleges and churches and theaters across the world, really, to raise money to help end violence against women. Um, and so what I did in university was the first two years I acted in it and my third year in university I actually ended up directing it. Uh, one thing that I liked that we did was after each show, we had like a talk back with the audience to talk about intersectionality, the problematic issues with the piece because of, you know, how it's aged and then, you know, People's experiences. So I was involved with the show for three years. My first two years, I acted in it, and the third year, I directed. It was really incredible. We had after a talkback with the audience about, you know, problematic parts of the piece and, you know, how it, how we can update this discussion for 2020 for intersectionality for today. Um, and we ended up raising over six thousand dollars for uh, women's shelters and the sexual assault support center on our campus. So that was the last big piece of theater that I got to be a part of, but it's definitely something that is always on my mind. I do a lot of writing, a lot of music, and it's something that I'm trying to figure out how to go forward with, how to do more theater and continue conservation. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is going to end up being science communication in that realm. But, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky to stay involved in theater when – you physically live somewhere so remote.
0: Mm. Yeah. And any kind of performance, like even, even you said you have a hard time getting on social media. Yeah, exactly. So like,
1: even if I want to watch a movie or something, I have to download it when I'm in town on my computer, bring it back, watch it then. Um, So I think there's a theater in the city. I've, I've walked by the theater. I've never seen it open. It would be entirely in Spanish. My Spanish is good but not good enough for me to act so Mm -hmm. it's just right now it's not physically possible but it's something I'm still really passionate about and do want to continue with for sure
0: yeah so what would you like to see artists do in terms of more activism towards um, artists or filmmakers well I think you know the movement's growing
1: you definitely see a lot of people talking about it but There's a difference between talking about it and then actually acting upon it. You know, even just actors, celebrities, there's a lot of people who say they care and say it's important, but then their lifestyles don't reflect it, Mm. don't reflect that what they're saying. Um, And, you know, I don't. I've been on a few film sets uh, but I don't know extent I haven't been in film extensively so I, I'm not completely aware of you know the waste and stuff that goes in behind it but listening to a few of your podcasts and from what I've experienced is pretty tremendous so there is dealing with that but then I think a big thing that I'd like to see is the content of it all not just what we're doing but what we are showing like what are we producing what are we making I recognize that art really determines culture in our in our world in our society. Art is so crucial. And I think corona actually kind of proved that because when there's nothing else, what do we do? We consume art. Like that what what were people doing as soon as we were in quarantine, they were on Netflix, they were on Spotify. It is so crucial. So much of our influence and how we decide to live our lives, how we decide to vote comes from How we're influenced by art in our society even when we don't realize it it's always there it's always underlying so not only should we just be sustainable while making that art but we should be promoting sustainable content we should be talking about sustainability within our art you know talking about climate change within the movies that we're making like there are ways to take this and put it into the art and that is definitely what i'd like to see more of because as artists, we're leaders. As artists, people, you know, follow, are influenced. And I think it's a
0: responsibility
1: to to do better by by that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. I think that in the arts, we have such a huge platform. You know, it's like super, no matter what, at least you can get seen on social media. You know, even the next levels, the further levels of that, like in, in terms of not, not even just about making documentaries about the environment, but also having everything kind of around that be, be sort of sustainable. And what does that even mean? Um, what does sustainability yeah. mean to you? Oh,
1: that's a great question. Sustainability, I guess, it would be taking ownership of our daily actions and becoming aware of our impact. Mm-hmm. Sustainability is a process, not a destination. There's no such thing as being perfectly sustainable. I guess that sounds a little cheesy, but it really is. We can always do better. There's always more to do. Even you know some of the most influential, famous environmentalists out there are still working on being better. Every single person, uh, you know, has has a long way to go. And I think that we need to reframe how we look at sustainability as like okay you know i'm not using plastic i'm zero waste i'm sustainable there are always more things we can do
0: um is there anything that i didn't ask you that you feel like you want to share no i think just that the
1: intersectionality is something that right now i think is just one more thing i want to emphasize again um is being kind to yourself and others because You never know where somebody's coming from, you never know what struggles they have, and what limitations they have to being a part of this movement, um, and to being more sustainable themselves to be more to being more environmentally conscious. So I would just say it's important to always approach people with empathy and kindness, because you're going to help more people change their ways, if you approach them with kindness than if you approach them with judgment or anger. People are just gonna deflect and not care if you are rude or angry because they're not being sustainable. If you're kind to people, and if you try and educate people in a respectful way, then we're gonna make a lot more progress as a movement than if we vilify people who don't have the same opinions or aren't doing things the way we would like them to.
0: Where could listeners go to follow your journey?
1: You can follow me on Instagram at Michaela's Wildlife. Uh, I would also love it if you could follow Terakaya at terakaya.eco.reserve. And if you want more information, head to terakayaeco.reserve.org. I don't have uh, social media other than Instagram uh, for my wildlife right now, but I will hopefully be making a Facebook and connecting my Twitter. So, I will let you all know via uh, Instagram.
0: One more question. Yes. Um, if you could have an unlimited supply of one thing, what would it be?
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is a good question. I've never even thought about that. An unlimited supply of anything. Time. Because there is so much I want to do. And the biggest limitation is that there's only so many hours and you also unfortunately have to sleep and eat and exercise. Like, I don't know why we have to do that. Cause I'm too busy for that, but yeah, I would love more time.
0: <laughs> okay. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And like, even though we've had like so many sound problems and like, Thank you for your patience through that. And also, thank you so much. Thank
1: you for having me. It's my first podcast interview, and I'm so excited to be here. So thank you.
0: (laughs) Please follow Terakaya Ecological Reserve um, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. They're amazing. They're doing killer work. And, um, you know, Michaela's amazing, obviously, as you can hear. As always, thank you so much for listening and engaging in this podcast. You guys are really the best listeners. Um, And I love you so much. If you want to take your support to the next level, um, hit us up on our social media. That really, really helps with our algorithms, getting us in front of more people um, more often. So like even comments, likes, that kind of engagement, um, especially the comments, really helps us out. Um, you know, and of course, like I want to talk to you. Like, let's talk about this. Let's participate um, with each other. So, um, the next level of support would be if you went to our Anchor.fm page. Um, you could do like a five dollar a month subscription, or whatever, um, or you could also do a one time donation. If you want, Um, any kind of money that happens to cross our whatever, it really just goes to help paying for Jeremy Robinson, who's our sound designer, um, you know, and Mayika Grimm, who's our web developer as well. Um, You know, getting these things out there is, you know, easy. Um, You know, being able to put yourself out there is super easy and anybody can do it. But, um, you know, I do pay a sound designer and web developer to kind of manage Um, all of this stuff and they do amazing work like Jeremy Robinson did this theme song he does the mastering for every single episode so it has production quality and um, Maika is making it possible for us to um, you know start getting a hub of information up on the internet Um, you know we're building a website where we can share infographics transcripts of the episodes if you're not um, you know kind of an audible a person if you don't like audio you don't do audio at all we're doing transcripts um we're building infographics and we're creating a hub of um just all this information that you can use as as uh, people who care about the environment and who want to make steps towards change and also who are filmmakers and um you know that's what this is about just you know let's do that anyway okay all right guys i'm done talking at you but um Yeah, hit us up on the social. Peace out, planet Earth.